Hi, and welcome back to our school podcast, School Buzz. I'm your host, Rebecca Cooksey, and today our guest is Dr. Michelle Bowers, and we're going to be talking about the longest year, yeah. because it has been a very long year. Uh, I remember this exact time last year, we were seeing all the numbers go up and thinking, oh my goodness, are we going to have to close schools? And then suddenly, we had to make the decision to close schools. And it was just a real turbulent time. We were rushing to close schools. At that time, what were your thoughts on how the pandemic would play out in March last year? Oh, my goodness. Well, and it's, it's ironic because almost to the day, Rebecca, this is uh, has been a long year. Because almost to the day, a year ago, March 13th, is when the decision was made to close schools. And at that time... Um, while we have been monitoring the situation very closely up until that time, uh, we I think everyone was optimistic that we would get a handle on it as a community, as a society, and, and no one had any idea that it would get out of control or to the point or level of concern that closing schools would even be on the plate for consideration. So... Um, to say that it was a surprise is an understatement, um, but surprise it was, and I think everyone kicked into high gear uh, to figure out what the emergency response was going to be. While we prepare on a regular basis for for addressing all sorts of emergencies, right? Pandemics <laughs> is not has not ever been on the list of emergencies for us to address. And um, I will tell you, in my tenure as an educator, not just as a superintendent, but as an educator, I cannot think of another point in time where we have had a situation that has required the close of schools um, based on something like the health condition. Yeah, never. And We've never had this before. This period of time, my goodness. Yeah. I remember in March, I thought, well, maybe, maybe we'll come back like in April. And then as the numbers kept coming out, well, maybe we're going to have to be out for the rest of the, of the school year. But gosh, I just I just really couldn't comprehend that. I had booked a vacation in July. And they're like, well, I'm not going on that vacation. I can't go anyplace on a plane. And it was just, and then I thought for sure we would be back in session when August came. I'm like, this is just nuts. I had no comprehension that would go this long. Um, no, no. And um, again, continuing to monitor the situation, you... Initially, it was absolutely believed that it was going to be a very short-term, very temporary closure, and we were optimistic because we had one more week of school, and then we had a two-week spring break. So we figured, oh, okay, we can get through this. School will be closed for one week. We had a two-week break already scheduled for closure. We'll be back after, you know, after that, and uh, that just didn't happen, so that we'll be back after that moment just kept seeming like it got pushed out a little bit farther and a little bit farther. And alas, here we are. But uh, we are in a much better place. So I am uh, far more optimistic and positive this year at this time than I was last year at this time, for sure. That's true. I know there was a lot of panic um, because we didn't know what the virus was going to be like and who it was going to affect. And I remember kind of having that sense of dread, you know, when it hit our country. So... Um, when we first shut down, we were packet-based. When school started in August, our, our students started on virtual school. 
How have students adapted to those changes? Our students, uh, surprisingly enough, children in general are very resilient. And given the opportunity to be creative, to learn differently, to uh, make those quick pivots, they do that with such grace and such uh, amazing just energy. It's, it's surprising. So uh, the students, we have a wonderful community of adults. We have a wonderful community of students. Our folks have really stepped up to the plate across the board, uh, but specifically our students, because it has not been easy for our children. It has really not been easy. And whether that's utilizing packets or whether that's um, utilizing a, a technology, a computer, and, and having a device, um, there's a much larger impact, as you know, as you know. There's so much more that the school building, the school environment, um, the teacher, the classroom environment provides for the students. It's not just the support of the teacher and the instruction, but the social interaction and the opportunity to engage and collaborate with other individuals and to, to really get that energy from them to prompt your thinking and have access to materials and tools so that you can do some of that hands-on creative thing. But surprisingly enough, and it has been really wonderful to see, a lot of that is occurring to a, a smaller degree, but in the homes. So many students, while uh, because the time is structured differently, so because their time is structured differently, they find they're exploring different interests and being creative in new ways that they hadn't thought about before so and when you ask them well where did you learn how to draw like that or they're an artist now or they have formed their own YouTube channel or started a business or um, just they they have been free to explore and create and uh, dream in different ways so that part has been exciting to see as well yeah I just saw a um, web webinar that was how to how to think like a youtuber I thought, well, that's our kids. That, that's how they learn. They go to YouTube. They learn anything they want. Um, and us old folks are just, you know, still looking at books and trying that's to learn that way. <laughs> that's the truth. I have had, I think I'm probably not alone in saying my learning curve for technology has been tremendous this last <laughs> year because I'm finding myself doing things and using tools and technology, um, software that I, there wasn't a need before, but <laughs> the pandemic has created the sense of urgency and the need for me to learn and kind of wrap my arms around a, a lot of new things, but it's been fun. It's been fun. It has been. I went to a kindergarten class for Read Across America, and they oh. knew how to mute themselves and unmute themselves, and they were just like, I'm, these kids have mad tech skills now. We're going to have to really be they on our do. game when we come back. They really do. I think that, um, you know, I used to not get involved with games with my grandkids because the, the video games, but now it's just technology. They just look, technology in general, they look at me like, don't you know this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't you know this, Grandma? It's like, yeah, well. <laughs> but, so they teach me a lot as well. Well, that's good. So uh, what have been some of your major challenges this year? And I'm going to limit you to your top 100, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you can limit the number, but the time, we would be here forever. That's for sure. There have been, uh, I just, I think, as many changes 
that have happened so rapidly because one day these are the rules and the next day these are the rules. So we have so many new things that we're monitoring because one of the things that we haven't really talked about in depth is the importance of safety. And uh, schools closed because of safety concerns and, and the spread of the, the virus. So as since we've been closed, that priority that on safety and that focus has not changed. We have had to continue to monitor all of the bulletins coming out from the Department of Public Health at the state level, uh, through the CDC at the county level. Um, that has been one of probably one of the biggest challenges is are the numbers going up? Are the numbers going down? Is, you know, what does the testing look like? Who's it going to be available to? And following all of the protocols that have been recommended regarding quarantine and isolation and testing and all of the safety improvements to do what we needed to do to protect the employees that we still had working here. While many of our folks worked remotely, there were a tremendous number of people that continued to work in our schools, that continued to work in our offices, uh, that continued to provide our meals uh, throughout the course of the year, because even though we were closed, we continued, our child nutrition folks really stepped up and uh, continue to provide meals. And we're now doing that seven, we provide meals seven days a week for youth between the ages of one and 18, free of charge to anyone in the community. So when I think about challenges, it's just really trying to keep up with, um, I think number one is trying to keep up with all of the changes as they pertain to safety protocols, the uh, what needs to be in place to make sure people were safe and what can we do, what should we do, uh, because I think everyone's desire was to open schools as quickly as possible. So right. really continuing to explore ways that we might be able to make that happen as quickly as possible, and um, but not getting in front of it if it wasn't going to be safe. So I think that that was uh, probably one of the biggest challenges. One of the things that I have an opportunity to commend you and your department on that was that posed another challenge for us initially. Uh, so it did take us some time was getting technology yes. and internet in the hands of all of our kiddos. Uh, so that was, wow, that was a big undertaking, not to mention all of our staff because we had so many people working remotely. So what was needed on the technology end to make that happen in a way that was going to even allow us to go this long? Uh, that was that was a big undertaking. As you know, when we closed schools, we didn't have a device for every child across right. the district. Yeah, that's true. You know, to be able to send home with them. So uh, that was all hands on deck. What did we have? I think we were going through everything. We ordered everything. We could get our hands on. We uh, stole from departments. Yeah, we like, HR, you have Chromebooks? You have some in your department. You no longer have them. Scoop them up. Exactly. We pulled everything back in so that we could get it in the hands of our families and of our kids. So I think ensuring equitable access to technology and internet was a huge concern. And I, one of the ongoing challenges is that in our community as a whole, there still remains some dead spots. Exactly. So it's it's not, per, even though we can put devices in the hands of everyone, uh, there's no guarantee that everyone is going to be able to have good reception. 
And then many of our families have other challenges that they're dealing with that hinder their ability to access, utilize the technology. So that is an ongoing thing because it's not in this environment, never in an educational environment, but especially in this environment. It is definitely not one size fits all. So when we see trying to do whatever we can so kids don't fall through the cracks, I think is key. And we know that families have been faced as a result of the pandemic, even before that, but this is really, the pandemic has really, I think, shown a light on the problem, but under, just being underfunded in their ability for housing, employment, access to employment, food. So our families, many of our families have been through some really challenging times and none of them, I think, I'm pretty safe to say, no one woke up the next morning thinking, I am all squared and keeping my kid at home and doing virtual instruction. We were not set up for that. Families were not set up for that. So it has really had to change lives for a long time. They didn't have childcare. They didn't have anyone at home to assist them in supporting their instructional needs. And it has brought a lot of change for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Yes, it has. Because I have my daughter helps with a kindergartner and boy, she's like, wow, kindergartners don't pay attention. I'm like, no, imagine a class of 30 of them. (laughs) Decide what you want to do for your career because kindergarten, wow, those people. And to do it online is just amazing to me. Um, But yeah, it's been a very challenging year. I know one of our challenges has been the supply chain. So when we Mm -hmm. order something, everybody else is ordering it. I know we had that problem with when we were um, going for our our, our filters, air filters. Everybody was ordering them at the same time so that it takes months and months to get them. And you're like, I I need them now. Right. And and people don't understand that, that sometimes when we're ordering Chromebooks, so is the rest of the actually the globe ordering the globe. Chromebooks. I was going to say not just our community, yeah. everybody, because the so, the solution is similar across. So everyone's ordering. Uh, that was what we should have had stock in, though, Rebecca. Yes, we, we should have had stock in that. We had stock in that. We I think we'd be sitting right now. That and air filters. We would have been millionaires. <laughs> so, what have been some of the blessings during this pandemic? Oh gosh. Uh, there is a silver lining, I think, in um, every challenge, every difficulty. There is opportunity. You know, that's one of my favorite ways to look at some of these challenges that have that we have faced over the years. But specifically this last year, I think looking at the the opportunity for us all to look at equity in education and access to the tools, the materials, the resources that students need to be successful. And, and owning the fact that it hasn't always been there. Uh, so I think one of the blessings, blessings out of this is we have an opportunity to move forward to a better educational program, a better educational platform, exactly what that's going to look like in the fall uh, when hopefully we're able to, to bring our students back to a, a more familiar setting. I'm not sure, but one thing I do know is that we will have enough devices 
where every child will have a device and every child will have a device hopefully that they can keep at home and access to something at school as well so that is not a place that we have been in the past and what that lends itself to really is so what does instruction look like that can be different than before because we don't have to students will have what they need at home to do things very differently and not not just more of the same but how we can engage them in a far more creative way so I I think that that is a very exciting blessing that is yet to unfold I think that there's so much potential there that that part will be very exciting another blessing that I mentioned slightly earlier is that because students haven't had the same tight structure that a regular school year lends itself to where you start at the school building at a certain time and you get dismissed at a certain time their day is pretty much carved out very tightly and it doesn't always leave as much room for them to create for them to design for them to explore and just think about what they're interested in and be curious and to engage in some of that kind of learning because not all learning takes place out of a textbook or program it's what they have learned seeing what they have learned and what they have found themselves interested in and talented in and I sincerely hope that our young people continue to just build on that energy and that interest and the opportunity to to just be creative that would that to me is a blessing because we we need those artists we need those creative minds we need people thinking outside of the box as we look at our future I know when I'm old and gone I need some people thinking outside of the box I need to design some really creative stuff for me so we know oftentimes it's it's interesting we say we're preparing our kids for futures and jobs that don't even exist yet this is really a time that is evidencing that statement because we don't know they're doing some things that have never existed before we're we're doing we're putting them into environments where we don't necessarily have know what the outcome is going to be so they have the freedom to just dream and imagine and that is really interesting that I think out of that kind of environment all kind of wonderful things can happen yeah I've been one of the blessings I have found is that my team has been very very creative in meeting the challenges that have come up I have Jane Dana who does our ACES program and after school program and she has come up with some really innovative creative great ways to get kids involved in virtual clubs and I'm just so blown away by what she does and then Rose over at the Welcome Center she's you know doing the food distribution and just things we hadn't thought about before but now we're making partnerships with people and you know Sam and Brandon just doing all the technology and getting the assessments out in different ways thinking outside the box and just I'm that's what I'm one of my blessings is my I have a fabulous team that just sees the problem and then tries to find the solution just like instead of like oh no I can't do it we can't figure it out yeah and 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 just wrapping our heads around I think we are we do more of this now than we did a year ago 
because we have wrapped our heads around the fact that we don't have to try to do the same thing the same way we did it pre-pandemic. And one example of that is that we have a far better participation level in our parent meetings because they can participate virtually. We schedule things in the evening, but they don't have to load up the family, drive someplace in the cold, in the rain, in the wind. They can participate virtually. So it doesn't have to be one size fits all. So as we think about bringing, you know, reopening our schools to in-person instruction and bringing our kids back, I think there's going to be some practices that we hold on to that we started and we have found that there's room for both. There's room for the in-person and there's room for us to continue to do so much more virtually than we have in the past. And people have figured out how to participate virtually, that they can be in their pajamas and they can be, you know, eating their dinner while they're still at the meeting. And it's much more convenient for people. I think you're right. We're going to have to keep doing our board meetings and our parent participation meetings. Part of it virtual. I mean, if you want to come in, great. If you want to be on virtual, that's fine too. But we've got to continue that because it allows more access to people. It does allow more access and participation. And that shows, yet again, our folks want to be involved. They want to help. They want to learn. They want to know what's going on. But they're not always able to physically be there. So just because they can't physically participate doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access and opportunity to participate. So definitely, I agree with you. Ways that we can continue to do both or have some balance of both is going to be a lot of fun because I do believe that we'll see a lot more people continuing to participate. I think so, too. So it's likely that we'll bring at least some students back this year. What will that look like and how will it be different from the fall? Just your ideas, because I know we don't know for sure. Right. Well, I have my fingers crossed. The audience can't see that, but I do have my fingers crossed right now. Things have been improving as far as the safety and health guidelines to the point that as we monitor and what the Department of Public Health is sending out, we are very encouraged. We see the numbers of positivity cases coming down. We see the number of deaths, which has been, that has been a difficult part that we see that number in the news all the time, but really realizing these are people and these are families that have been impacted, the millions of people that have struggled with COVID, and then the hundreds of thousands of those that we have lost over the last year is saddening. But we are encouraged because the conditions are improving, vaccines are available, and we are at the point right now that we are really looking at planning how we can start to gradually reopen our schools to in-person instruction. So I'm very excited about that. We are working hard and hopefully after the spring break, which is another week or so, we're hopeful that we will be able to begin to bring back small numbers of students. And the reason that I say small numbers is because there are still, we are not, we still are in a pandemic. And people can't forget that, even though things are starting to open up a little bit more, including schools, we are still in a pandemic. So we cannot, now is not the time for us to be lax in our continued efforts as they pertain to safety and health practices and wearing our mask and all of that. 
so assuming folks do take advantage of the vaccines and stay healthy and stay masked up and and continue practicing social physical distancing we i have every confidence that we will be able to start bringing some students back right after the um, spring break shortly after the spring break and that doesn't give us a lot of time but it does give us sometime between that point and the end of the school year mm -hmm. so that students can come onto the campuses be face to face with their teacher in many instances they know them because they've had them virtually all year but uh, there's not been a face to face opportunity for them to engage with their teacher engage with other students and i think that that would be extremely healthy um, so we're we're looking at what that will look like for our elementary students right now and uh, as we make sure that everything is in place so that we can do that safely and that's the key we want to do it safely we want to do it effectively so that everyone continues to be supported make sure it's manageable and make sure everyone continues to be safe so we, we want to make sure our schools are safe and those classrooms are safe but um after the spring break and Hopefully that will lay the foundation that, but then we have the summer break and things are going to continue to get better. Just remember, you heard it here first, right? Things <laughs> <laughs> will continue to get better and fall, we will be in a much better place. I, I sincerely hope. That's, that's, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yellow is my new favorite color now because <laughs> that's the tear, the color of the tear that would um, really be an indicator that the world is at least Lancaster, I'll say Lancaster, Los Angeles County, yeah, I'll go with that, uh, is in a place where we will probably see things back to normal or very close to back to normal. Well, I, I saw on Facebook, I don't know if it's true or not, that Los Angeles County was going to be in the red tier by Monday, which would be fabulous if we were. That is, they have, because of the increased number, that's my understanding, because of the increased number of vaccines, uh, they have looked at introducing a different metrics, and it's called an acceleration metrics, and that's from the Department of Public Health, where this new metrics allows them to take in to the to factor into the formula the number of vaccines that have been distributed in Los Angeles County or administered in the county, uh, and they use that data in conjunction with the, the other indicators, the positivity rate and all of that. And between that, it allows us to get to red a little bit sooner uh, than we might have otherwise gotten. So I think by Monday, no later than Tuesday is what the Department of Public Health is saying. So I'm that's just, a great thing. I'm just ready to go back to eating inside. I would like to go to Red Lobster <laughs> and have a nice meal instead of sitting on a patio and have it be cold and everything oh, else. It's too cold. I know. Well, you know, the weather is changing. We have daylight savings time coming on Sunday, and um, yes, I'm, I'm with you. I think we're ready to enter a season where we feel much better, much more energized. The days will be longer. Things are going to open up a little bit more. Still no hugging. Still keep those masks on. <laughs> Well, I got, I got my yeah, I got my first shot already. I don't know if you've got your first vaccine. I did. I did. I got it about a week ago. So I bit the bullet and I will say to the audience, I was definitely a person that was in the, I don't think I'm going to 
take or trust this vaccine. I was in that camp about six months ago, and I continue to get more information on it. I continue to research the science. I continue to listen. And at a certain point, I believe I switched over. I just believe that there's a lot of very, very, very smart people out there doing this, working on it. And I understand reservations because it seemed to go really quickly as far as getting that approval. But there was a lot of money to help it go really quickly. There was a lot of push to help it go really quickly and make sure that it was made available. And a lot better technology than we had a long time ago when they were making vaccines. I mean, we have all these computer simulations that they can run. That's why it went so much faster. I was like, shoot me up. I'm ready to go. I'm so tired of being home. Let me please have that vaccine. That's what I said. I said, well, it beats the alternative. I'm not saying, let me go get this shot. I looked away. I didn't feel it. So that was shot number one, two weeks. I get shot number two, and I'm sure it's going to be fine. So I'm ready to move forward with the world. I am too. Anxious. Move forward with living. That's it. Well, my community shout out this week is to our nurses and health clerks because they have been manning our immunization clinic. Uh, yes. Super well run. I was so excited. I was so excited to see people when I go up like, these are our people. <laughs> <laughs> I took pictures. I put it on Facebook. Uh, but I was just so impressed with the organization there and how well it was managed. It took me all of maybe 18 minutes because you get the shot and then you have to sit there for 15 minutes. Right. And I was out, and it was done, and it was just so well run. And I'm just it's so impressed with our people. They just do such a great job. I will ditto that. Uh, yes, I cannot say enough because, needless to say, I've got a lot of plates that I'm spinning right now, and, and that was one of them, and I invited them into the conversation and said, okay, this is what I need. This is what we have. And at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of information, direction, guidance that we were provided, and... Our health provider folks, our nurses, our health clerks, um, our PSA department, they said, we got this. We've got this. And I'm going to give a special shout out to um, just a couple people. I'm going to name some names. There you go. <laughs> uh, Brian Hook, one of our district nurses. Mary Collin, another district, longtime district nurse. Julie Utzler and Jenny Sampson. Um, our director of PSA is Julie, and coordinator of safety is Jenny. They have been working, to say overtime, yeah, wouldn't even capture enough. All of our nurses have uh, really gone above and beyond, as you said, when, you know, they deserve that shout out. Um, and then our health clerks have had an opportunity to be pulled in and get involved over at the hospital and supporting because we have to bring our own folks over there right. to do that, to facilitate the check-in process and make sure our people belong, you know, the people getting shots are our people. Uh, and they have just, they organized the whole thing. They keep track of the whole thing. They have reached out to people to make sure where they have some openings uh, to let folks know if they need to still need an appointment. And I will say to the audience out there, we have, what's today, Friday? We have next Thursday and Friday, I have to think, we have next Thursday and Friday will be our last district um, administration. And obviously people will still have access to other places to get the shot. But we know that 
the eligibility for educators allowed us to get a number, a certain number of vaccines in our community that we could allocate specifically for educators. So we will have two more days next Thursday and Friday where we can really reach out and schedule specialized appointments for just folks in our field. So if people are out there listening and they haven't had their vaccine, you and I have had ours. We're still walking. You're smiling. I'm smiling. My arm hurt just a little bit. It was just a little sore, but I did not have any adverse reactions. And I feel good about the decision that I made and would strongly encourage people to think about it. If you have reservations, do some homework, get some more information. There are several different types. Now you have Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. And a lot of people have done their homework, but I would definitely encourage people to give it some strong consideration. So as an individual, as a family member, as a member of the community and work community, you can be safe and others around you can be safe. Exactly. Yeah, it's worth it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I know it's a busy time and I appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Did I have a choice, Rebecca? No. I don't think I did. But thank you so very much. Greatly appreciate you inviting me. All right. Bye. Have a good day. You do the same. Bye-bye.